the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. We have a great economic plan. We will double our growth and have the strongest economy anywhere in the world. At the same time, we will get along with all other nations willing to get along with us. I want to tell the world community that while we will always put America's interests first, we will deal fairly with everyone, with everyone. All people and all other nations. We will seek common ground, not hostility, partnership, not conflict. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. This is Wednesday, November 9th. I'm Kieran Hancock and yes, it's true. Donald Trump is to be the next president of the United States of America. The property tycoon and reality TV star upset all the odds last night and Hillary Clinton to take the White House. What might it mean for Ireland and indeed for global stock markets? To help me tease that out, I'm joined in studio by Cliff Taylor, our business editor, by Ronan Dunphy of uh, Stockbrokers Investec and by Lucinda Creighton, a former politician and junior minister and now a uh, business consultant. Uh, Before I come to them, let me remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. Ronan Dunphy, uh, I suppose I must come to you first. Uh, There were great fears about what might happen to the stock markets and in Europe um, they did take a tumble early on but they seem to have been steady enough in America since opening. Yeah, the big story I suppose so far has been the lack of reaction really. Initially um, on opening uh, equity markets were down. Not not as much as people might expect, down to two to three percent, but really in the, the following hours um, they recovered, and uh, as at, l- at lunchtime, broadly unchanged on the day. Yeah. And well, what about the price of oil? Uh, other indicators as to where global markets are going? Well, everything, everything, I suppose, in a bit of a wait and see um, mode at the moment. We we don't know really how much of what Trump has said and what he is saying at the moment will actually tra- transpire into policy changes, policy shifts. There's been some. Um, some movement towards gold, seen as a safe haven, that was up at, at the open this morning. Um, and the end? The, the end, uh, well, it, it bounced around um, against the dollar, up and down, I suppose, within the first couple of hours. Um, Asian equity markets hurt more than others initially, but again, have recovered somewhat. Um, and euro dollar, euro dollar initially traded um, to about one thirteen um, immediately. I suppose as as the markets open on this side um, of the Atlantic, as, as around the same time that Trump was making his victory speech. But again, a bit like the equity markets now come back to being relatively flat on the day. The dollar, I suppose, the big story um, in well in terms of the FX markets has been the Mexican peso, mm. which was seen as a barometer of, of Trump's chances of winning right. uh, over the last where, couple of weeks. Where is that at now? Well, it, it was down about 9 to, 9 to 10% on the day, um, and it came back in in the last couple of days as the polls, uh, as much as we should listen to them or not, saw Clinton's chances increasing, but then plummeted really um, on the opening this morning. It was down about 9, 9 to 10%. Okay. Not all bad news because uh, CRH, the Building Materials Group from Ireland, uh, up over seven percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately this morning, up seven percent, and sort of has has maintained that level. Um, and that's presumably based on the fact that Trump has said that there's going to be lots of investment in infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. and CRH has a big footprint yeah, in trillions the US. of dollars. I think is what Trump has said. Um, 
uh, CRH, they earn um, more than half, I think, of their earnings in the US. So they would be seen to pick up a lot of um, any increase in infrastructure spending mm. in the US, uh, roads and um, roads and bridges, um, which Trump has said he's, he's going to build. Um, so, like, again, it remains to be seen how much that actually transpires into increased spending. But, but certainly CRH yeah. has seen... Um, to pick up any any increased investment in the US. Okay. Cliff Taylor, you were writing uh, early this morning after the election uh, results was crystallised, if you like, that uh, first we had Brexit, now we have this uh, uh, this amazing result, this yeah. shock result from America where Donald Trump has defied all the odds to become the next American president and uh, he, his platform was, was very much on bringing American uh, dollars invested abroad, bringing them home, uh, cheaper corporate tax rates, uh, creating more jobs at home, stopping the flight of capital, uh, etc. Yeah. So this double whammy effect potentially for Ireland. Talk us through what the implications might be. Yeah, well, I suppose if you look at uh, the two the economies, the two economies who mean that mean a lot to us. Britain, Britain is one uh, in terms of our export markets, but America is an important export market too. But more importantly, it's the source of mo- pretty much all the or most of mm. the financial or foreign direct investment that comes into the yeah, Irish market. Yeah, let's just go through some of those numbers. Actually, about seven hundred. US companies uh, with a base in Ireland, $343 billion uh, worth of investment. This is according to the American Chamber of Commerce in Ireland. Uh, and they support, those American companies support about 140,000 yeah, jobs in Ireland. Yeah. So it's big. It's big. It's box. big. It's big. And all the, all the big American players are here, as we know. And what Donald Trump, as you say, has said, well, look, these companies should be investing more in, in America and less outside America, less in Europe and, and other markets. And he's promised to do things to help make that happen. And so I think there's two really big areas that we have to watch. The first is the whole area of corporate tax, where he said, look, the current federal rate of corporate tax in the States is 35%. He says he's going to slash that to 15%. Huge, huge, uh, huge change. He's also said that American companies who have uh, large piles of cash stashed overseas are going to be given a tax incentive to bring it back home. That money will only be taxed at 10%. And a lot of that money has been generated out of Ireland. It has, it? Or, or at least has moved through Ireland, mm. uh, has moved through European headquarters based in Ireland and typically out to tax havens and is now sitting in places like the Cayman Islands and Bermuda uh, and places like that where, where, where no tax is levied. So Trump wants to bring that money home. He wants to get a share of it to help pay for this big infrastructure investment in roads and bridges that, that you're talking about and that's going to benefit um, CRH. And the third thing that he said he would do on corporate tax is to end what's called deferral. So at the moment, US companies can earn money overseas and don't have to pay tax on it until it's brought back into America so they can defer the tax liability. And he said, look, that's going to end. Remains to be seen what, if any of this, gets through Congress. As Michael Noonan was saying today, there has been talk of US corporate tax reform for 30 or 40 years now and very little has actually happened. But there is a mood swing now internationally and in America, there's no doubt about that. And Trump will feel that he is a really... You know, mm. solid platform to do something that is going to, you know, change the ballpark in terms of uh, of investment. It's going to make it less uh, attractive, I suppose, or, or or give less of a push for U.S. companies to invest overseas and to look at markets like Ireland, and could conceivably change the shape of of foreign direct investment. The other. Uh, key area to watch, of course, is trade. He made a lot of noise during the election campaign about uh, protecting American jobs, uh, potentially putting up tariff barriers against Mexico and uh, and uh, China in particular. 
a bit more conciliatory in the clips that you played there at the start. So, you know, may, maybe we'll wait, uh, we, we'll wait and see on that. But of course, yeah. anything that leads to trade tensions or, or damages trade. Yeah. trade Tourism is the other well. element. Obviously, uh, a weakening dollar would be bad for our, our tourist industry. And yeah. the numbers coming from America have been very, very strong over the last have, uh, yeah. few years. Record numbers. Yeah, talking to a few hoteliers and guest housekeepers the last few days. And, and, and they've been all remarked on the strength of the American mm. market. In and the they last tend few to be days. the best spenders here as they well. Do. They do. But, but as Noel said, uh, you know, there's the dollar fell initially this morning but hasn't done much yeah. since then so we just have to wait and see how that plays out but certainly if there was to be kind of a Brexit effect yeah. um, okay. with, uh, with um, you know the currency falling by 10 or 15% that would hit uh, that would hit inward yeah, sure. in tourism for sure Listen, Creighton, you have a new career now as a business consultant after uh, after losing out in the general election earlier this year a lot of your clients are American uh, companies who have invested in Ireland invested in Europe what are they telling you? Yeah, I mean, I deal mainly with their uh, interaction and engagement with the European institutions um, rather than domestically here in Ireland. Um, but I, I was in the US about about two, two and a half weeks ago and I, I met with a lot of companies while I was there, both in Washington, D.C. and New York. And I also met with a lot of politicians. Um, and, you know, the, the, the striking thing, um, I think, which which really hit me while I was there um, was the view from within the Republican Party that absolutely no transitional arrangements have been put in place at all. Unlike, we'll say, the last um, uh, Obama-Romney election where... Um, where the Republicans had a huge operation. I mean, an entire building full of people who were planning uh, the transition process, identifying, bringing, bringing um, short lists of uh, qualified people to take mm. over all of the various thousands of roles in so government. So it's a bit like Brexit, no preparation, is, no groundwork done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what, what somebody told me, a former congressman told me uh, who was involved in the Romney preps um, was that essentially um, Donald Trump's children are now occupying that building. Literally, no, no transition team at all. I know Chris Christie is, is is uh, normally heading that up and I guess they're probably moving into overdrive today but I genuinely don't think any of them expected to win including Donald Trump Um, so I think that's partly why the markets are are fairly um, stable at the moment because nobody really knows what this means yet Um, there's uncertainty but I think there's also a view that um, from a lot of what Donald Trump has said off the record in a friendly sense to all sorts of people in fact anybody who was prepared to listen was you know he doesn't mean an awful lot of what he has said so I think it really, um, it'll become clear. Politicians saying that in the run-up to an election, surely not. It's hard to believe, I know, but uh, there you go. Um, but I think um, I think a lot will will um, will become clearer as we start to see the type of people that he's he's planning on putting in positions um, of authority who who'll be you know Secretary of State and so on. Um, and what impact do you think this might have for FDI in Ireland and American um, companies here? I think I think potentially significant. I mean, if you just take Brexit for starters, um, you know, everybody's paying lip service to the opportunity. I mean, the threats and the challenges are much greater, but the opportunities that exist for Ireland in financial services, for example, um, I think there's a real risk. I think there was a risk anyway, but I think it, it'll it'll certainly be a heightened risk if he creates a more, uh, we'll say, conducive or friendly business environment in the US through corporate tax reform and so on. For a lot of those financial services, rather than um, moving or shifting um, talent around Europe from London, City of London to, to Dublin or Frankfurt or wherever, rather to just go back to New York. And there's already a lot of um, a lot of talk of that happening, a lot of consideration being given to, to that type of uh, repatriation, if you like. 
And I think that that becomes more likely mm. if, um, well, if... Wasn't the whole idea of coming to Dublin for these financial services companies uh, relocating to Dublin or Madrid or Luxembourg, wherever it might be, was that they would then have an avenue to passport into other EU markets? Sure, and there's nothing to stop companies and, in fact, a lot of them already have and do um, passport or license through Ireland or, or, or other EU capitals. But I suppose I'm talking about the back office and mm. talking about the substantial numbers. You know, a lot of them have, you know, thousands of people mm. working in the city of London. Um, they may not consider relocating thousands of people um, to, to Frankfurt or Amsterdam or Dublin. Uh, and I think that there, there could, there could uh, now be an imperative to start moving them back. And I know some of the banks are already talking about this, um, beefing up their capacity and their global capacity um, from the United States rather than from Europe. And uh, I think that you know, this could make that more likely. I'm not saying it definitely will, but it, I think it's a possibility. We have to see, as Cliff has said, you know, there are a number of steps that that uh, Trump alluded to. Um, I'm not sure how much depth there was to, to, to many of those policy announcements. We have to see now uh, whether any or all of that will be rolled out. And if it if it is, I think it'll have a significant impact. And I think the other the other aspect, um, which is more imminent and probably of more direct um, consequence to Ireland is is free trade. I mean, you know, we are the country that stands to benefit most, for example, from TTIP. TTIP ran into the sand undoubtedly in the last number of months in particular. Um, I detected some degree of optimism when I was in the US um, two weeks ago about the potential um, if Hillary Clinton uh, were elected um, to perhaps park TPP, the transatlantic um, or the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, Trade Agreement, um, but to actually put some new energy and life into TTIP as an alternative, um, that's not going to happen with Donald Trump. Yeah, sure. And what about Britain in terms of, I mean, they might have to negotiate a a trade deal uh, with the United States. We don't know precisely what relationship they're going to have with Europe yet, with the rest of Europe. But they might have to uh, negotiate their own deal separately uh, with the United States. Is that going to be easier under Trump than it would have been under Clinton? Does it make any difference? I I mean, the rules are the rules. And, you know, Donald Trump has, has made some pretty, I would say, Ill, ill-informed um, statements around Brexit. Because mm, uh, he was sure. very much I'm in favour sure. of Britain yeah. leaving the EU. I mean, look, it, it suited his anti-establishment narrative. I'm not really sure he understood a whole lot about how the European Union functions mm. or, or really what Brexit was all about. Um, but I think the issue when it comes to trade is that, you know, the UK has a long road to travel before it's in a position to negotiate any trade agreement with any country, um, irrespective of the political will or otherwise in any capital. So Donald Trump, of course, is going to make, I, I expect he will make a play now to be a friend to Britain. And that's, you know, it's a logical thing for him to do because he's the anti-establishment president for however long that lasts. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the UK has to manoeuvre its way into the WTO. Well, firstly, it has to clarify its relationship with Europe. The WTO is not interested until Britain's relationship with the EU is sorted and that's going to take a couple of years as we know then they begin the process of um, of establishing a new relationship with the WTO and then negotiating trade mm. schedules which well, are going to, tariff schedules which are going to take years yeah. um, so I mean you're talking about I, I would estimate eight to nine years before it's possible to engage in a bilateral trade ar- agreement on the part of the UK Yeah Ronald Dunphy had Investec done any uh, sort of prep work on what uh, Trump or Clinton what both of them the pros and cons would be uh, for the markets uh, of either getting into office because Barack Obama's time in office has been pretty good for the markets, isn't it? I mean, the S&P, I think, uh, growth of 15% a year on average. Yeah, yeah, I think um, the Democratic Party sometimes gets some stick for um, the perceived uh, market performance while the Democratic president is in charge. 
But I don't think that's really borne out in the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a quite a good period um, while Obama has been there. And I think when it looked as if Clinton would, would, would take the White House, um, it was viewed quite positively here in Ireland that it would be more or less a continuation of um, current policies. Um, and that was sort of set against the backdrop of really, again, the unknown of what, what the Trump presidency might mean. Um, like it might be it might be a couple of years into his um term before we really we really understand what um what his presidency means for again the trade situation and what that might mean for the Irish economy um Mm. But if somebody rang you up and said, Ronan, you know, um, I have money to invest, I'm a bit nervous now about America because of Trump, where would you, where would you advise them to put it? Well, I, th- I think um, in, in the run-up to the election, and it's a situation that still holds for the moment that, you know, although we are in a, a zero and sometimes negative interest rate environment, um, generally it, it, you don't really want to have too much risk on the table at the moment. And, and that stands um, one day after the election. I think that will still stand uh, several months to come. Um, it's really... Without sort of sitting on the fence too much, really, the markets, as we can see today from from the the movement around coming back to where we started, really um, during during the election um, when the polls were still open, it's it's a case of just holding fire and not not mm. making making bold decisions yeah. one way or the other. Only twenty nine percent of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life, June 2015. Cliff uh, Paul Krugman, um, that well-known commentator, has made some uh, bold uh, assessments himself. He said, uh, we're set for a, a global recession with no end in sight. It's, it's pretty apocalyptic. Yeah, that wouldn't cheer you up, all right. <laughs> uh, but as, as Roland said, certainly the markets don't seem to agree with that today, judging by their uh, judging by their reaction. And I think, you know, Krugman comes from the Democratic background, obviously, and is very, as he wrote, very upset, I think, even more about the tone of, of Trump and, and uh, than his economics. But, um, he was also very negative about the euro and indeed about Ireland absolutely, uh, being yeah, in the absolutely, euro. Absolutely, yeah. And look, he's a fellow who knows how to get the headlines, I suppose, as well. <laughs> and good luck to him. Um, but got the, one in the Irish, yeah, yeah. one or two in the Irish Times now, must be said. There's a few, 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 few uh, good performers in that sense as well. Yeah, you're right. But um, I think the key thing is that, you know, as Ronan and Lucinda have both said, we just don't really know what this president is going to bring we can see the dangers we can see the obvious dangers in terms of tax and trade mm. policy uh, and in terms of maybe some turbulence in the markets and what impact that's going to have on confidence and I think you know I think Rowan is right that you wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be putting all your money into the equity market on the basis of it being calm after one day because this is going to take you know months to kind of play itself out and expect that like Brexit there's going to be days when it's in the news and, and, and the fears are going to hit and things are all going to fall and money's going to go back into safe havens and then maybe it'll creep back the other way a bit but uh, it's going to take a good while yeah. to clarify it's, good, it's going to take a good while to clarify itself there's no doubt about that Yeah, I, I, to- I totally agree with that I also think that you know given the sort of state of chassis that we're experiencing on both sides of the Atlantic now you know it is unprecedented uncharted all of those other cliches and and metaphors Um, but there's an opportunity for Ireland to just 
go out and sell itself and, and pitch itself as, you know, as a committed EU member state, member of the Eurozone um, and all of that at a time of uncertainty. And also to, you know, to to really push out a positive Im- image in the US as well, because we are tar- tarnished by Apple tax. And there is, I mean, I was asked um, recently by a fairly experienced public affairs expert in Washington, D.C., um, what it meant now for Ireland to be out of the European Union, because they still think that Ireland is part of the United mm. Kingdom. You know, these are the kind of perception issues that are that, that are a, a hangover and that we, we have an opportunity okay. now to go and actually sell Ireland as a country that is, you know, very much part of the European Union with a very positive relationship with the United Kingdom and, so what, you know, a positive they, relationship. I mean, what would your United advice States? be then to Kenny to go out and do? Well, I'd have a long list. Um, you know, I, I think I think firstly, just having a very coherent message about Ireland and drawing on every stakeholder to be part of selling that, whether it's, you know, business representative organisations, whether it's the IDA, EI, government ministers, former Taoiseach, everybody. I would have all hands on deck. Um, the, U- the UK uh, Foreign Office have called back all of their former ambassadors and re-accredited them because they're so lacking in capacity and we lack in capacity too. So we need a- we need all hands on deck. And I think that there's a real opportunity to do that um, with a real kind of sense of vision and a little bit of medium term plan- planning. I think it's really important that, that, that the government does that mm. and that Ireland, I hate the phrase, but Ireland Inc. does that now. Um, we can't retreat. We have to be out there seen to be engaging with you know, US Chamber, all of the representative bodies, uh, all of the companies that are here, um, but may not necessarily always have to stay here. We need to convince them that there's more than just tax to being in Ireland. There's all the rest of it. We need to sort out the housing crisis and all of that as well. So it all feeds in. But we really need a big overarching strategy now that that goes across every government department and all of our our, our agencies yeah. and semi-states. It's a big task. Yeah, sure. And Cliff, suddenly there's a cloud hanging over the economy. I mean, we were motoring along very nicely, growth of 4 to 5%, but then Brexit comes along. Yeah. Uh, the other day we had a report saying that Brexit is going to knock about 4% off our growth. The European yeah. Commission has downgraded our, our growth forecast because of uh, Brexit. Now we have this American uncertainty as well. And, you know, in parallel with that, if you like, we've all these pressures coming on the pay side from the public sector yeah. with the deal for the guards, uh, the teachers, nurses and doctors are going to be looking for money as well. I mean, how are we going to square that circle? Well, we're not, I suppose, is the short answer. Uh, I think you're right. And I think separately from that, there, and I suppose possibly largely Brexit related there are there have been signs in the last few months and confidence indicators and forward looking indicators as they're called that the rate of growth is slowing so the economy is still growing but not as quickly as it was so you see it in the service sector you see it in the super conference you see it in car sales car sales retail sales you see it all over the place mm. people are just a little a little more cautious and and you're right that that uh, you know that then feeds into uh, feeds into the public finances it feeds into taxation and it feeds into the amount of money the government has to spend so the, the answer is that the government's going to have to make choices so that if it does want to give more money to to, to public servants then that's going to be either less money elsewhere or higher taxes uh, so you know it's 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 a difficult it's a difficult one for a minority government to to try and square because it's going to be coming under the, you know the the groups looking for money are going to be picking off Fianna Fáil and the independents and trying to get in and put pressure uh, right left and centre on, on government ministers and it's a very tricky one for them to yeah. uh, to manage their way through. Lucinda Crichton, does this bolster the mood of the likes of Sinn Féin or AAA PBP uh, in in terms of you know an anti-establishment vote in the UK then the US and we've seen it in uh, certain countries in, in Europe we saw it to some degree in our own election mm. earlier this year but nonetheless the established parties still got what half or a little more than half of the yeah. vote but 
if these pressures begin to emerge, uh, we could have some real problems in the economy. Maybe this minority government won't last that long. Yeah, um, I mean, it's the old, the Yates line of the centre cannot hold and the centre hasn't held in the United States now, in the UK and very major challenges coming with multiple elections across Europe next year. Actually, the centre has held reasonably well in Ireland. You know, we have political stability and even if there's a change of government um, or an election in in the next 12 months, the likelihood is it'll be led by either Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil. So it will still have a large centrist kind of um, dominance, if you like. Um, I'd be much more worried about other European countries. I think France, uh, the Netherlands, Germany Mm. even. Italy has a constitutional uh, referendum next month. Yeah, and uh, Prime Minister Renzi said that he will resign if he loses. He then changed his mind. There is no real alternative to Renzi other than the hard right. It's, It's the extremes, whether it's the left or the right. To me, you know, it's much of a muchness. They're all anti-trade. They're all, you know, for shutting down borders, essentially, um, with different ideological slants, but ultimately the same kind of protectionist approaches um, and, and anti-establishment and anti-institutional. You know, and it's very trendy now to be to be sort of cynical about everything. Um, but ultimately, institutions are the foundation of democracy. They're essential. And um, that's why, you know, I would be very concerned about the just the fabric of the European Union and, and how it's mm. going to sustain all of this, how it's going to deal with the, the fallout of Brexit. I mean, I actually think Brexit is much more serious than the election of Donald Trump because Brexit uh, fundamentally, I think, threatens the, f- the future existence of the European Union, the European order. And we know what happens when, you know, European countries break apart. It, it doesn't end well. Um, the United States, um, there's a big risk from t- Trump, certainly. But I think ultimately, I don't really believe a lot of his rhetoric. I think it's dangerous. I think it's offensive. Um, but I don't really believe that he will he will go and deliver on an awful yeah. lot of and it. And of course, there are checks and balances in the American system as well, yeah. uh, which kind of keep uh, keep some order on, on presidents as well. Although he does he does have control of Congress, I suppose, notionally at least. Because he does. An interesting one, actually, on the corporate tax issue um, with Congress is that Paul Ryan, who is the outgoing speaker, um, he has a huge problem now, political problem, because, I mean, he was the pretender. He had to create a legacy so that he could be the presidential candidate for the Republicans next time. I think he'd be a good presidential candidate. Um, Obviously, everything has changed overnight. Um, So the question now, I mean, he has a very big agenda um, to to genuinely um, take the corporate tax reform um, um, challenge um, and and make something of it. And it it could actually well be the rapprochement between him and Donald Trump. They could actually make this a priority in Congress and it could actually salvage mm. his political career in the process. So I think that'll be a very interesting dynamic between okay. Paul Ryan and, and Trump over the next number of months. And do you think a bit like Brexit, the way a lot of companies put their investment plans on hold until they had some sort of degree of certainty as to what might happen, although we still don't have that. Do you think uh, some American investors in Ireland might do the same thing? They might just wait until Trump is in, is in situ and we've had a few months of it to see the colour of his money, as it were? I think I think it's highly likely. I mean, I certainly think people are going to see, want to see the, the colour of the administration. You know, who's in? Uh, who are the key decision makers? Who are the people that he surrounds himself with? That is very unclear at the moment. So I certainly think that there'll be a few months of people waiting to see what that looks like, um, who who emerges in the first six months of, of 2017 as leading the administration mm. with Donald Trump. And does he surround himself with... 
you know, with mm. sort of the moderate, um, constructive, progressive Republicans? Um, or does he surround himself with, with people who kind of follow the rhetoric that he has led on over the course of the campaign? I think that'll be very interesting. And I think it will certainly impact on decisions that are made um, in, in C-suite over the, yeah. the months ahead. Yeah, just Ro- to pick up, sorry, one thing on, on what Lucinda is saying. I think sometimes um, you need an external shock um, to sort of appreciate what we have here in Ireland in, in a stable, uh, business-friendly democracy that really, although it, it obviously has its issues, um, it doesn't really change that much from year to year and um, particularly over over the next few years and however long this government lasts, really it is unlikely that we will see um, any significant change and there is, I suppose, sometimes just uh, it's worth taking a step back for a moment just just appreciating that. Yeah, the Isaac's doing okay today, isn't it? Although I presume, yeah, uh, CRH yeah. exactly. It's, it's, it's as a lunchtime it was up almost almost two percent, I think. But um, CRH's weighting in the ISEC is is very large. So the seven percent bounce that we saw in CRH is responsible for for practically all of that increase in the ISEC. So um, it, it has held up quite well, I suppose, given the, given the potential issues that we have um, in in Ireland that we are quite dependent on on the US economy in the US um, firms. Yeah. What about uh, AIB's IPO? Uh, what might this mean for an IPO of AIB next year for the government? Well, I, I, it depends what the markets do, I suppose. The markets will take their lead from what happens in the US, but if this heralds, which it may well do, a prolonged period of uncertainty and, and volatility in the markets, um, it, it does make it more difficult for, for the IPO to... Um, take place as as planned I suppose sometime sometime in 2017 um, it, it really it would, would, would need a prolonged sort of period of calm I suppose mm. where, where, where we can sort of look forward and see how things things might emerge for really the government to, to get full value for for the yeah. AIB stake. Uh, Cliff what do you think about the chances of an IPO of AIB next year? Yeah I'd be nervous um, particularly with the situation in Italy and if you're you know you play in the political uncertainties there and the Renzi government and the fears about the Italian banking sector and kind of stuff bubbling under the surface I think about the unfinished nature of the banking union in Europe mm. and you know who pays the bill if a bank goes bust I just think you could see a period of nervousness towards mm. bank stocks. What uh, are potential IPOs uh, maybe coming, coming over the horizon uh, Irish related, if you like, Paul Coulson's, uh, Arda, yeah, mainstream renewables, Eddie O'Connor, uh, you know, Air, it, it pulled this IPO sure. a couple of years ago, but has talked about uh, looking to go back in the markets at some time. And, and Dennis O'Brien and Digicel, they pulled their IPO, yeah. but, you know, haven't ruled it out for the future. Yeah, all very different, I guess, uh, Kieran. And, and, you know, you're probably going to be looking at sectoral specific mm. decisions being made as well as the overall mood of the market. Uh, you could see it, you know, you could in any any time over the next six months see the, the US market take a fright in general and a lot of IPOs being pulled. Uh, but beyond that, you know, if you're looking at companies obviously in the construction sector, well, you know, it's very positive if Donald Trump is going to invest a load of money in uh, in roads and bridges and, and Wi-Fi and all that. Uh, currency factors would be big issues for yeah, for some of the companies involved. So, you know, all the the different sectoral Sectoral things, I think, will, will, will play into the equation. Right. What about his resort in Dubai? Any sense of whether he's going to uh, continue <laughs> going to, to invest visit. there? Or not? I, I, I read earlier that uh, the general manager down there, uh, down there said he has some great investment plans. Yeah. Very welcome, I'm sure. 
Absolutely, yeah. I've no, I've no idea, but uh, interesting if he chooses to visit and uh, whether yeah. the red carpet will be laid out at Shannon well, Airport. Well, red carpet was rolled <laughs> out for him in Shannon yeah. that we all mocked him and suddenly yeah. it turns out... Who will be, be, who, who will be at the bottom of that red carpet to meet him? Yeah. Yeah. Again, though, I'm sure. Will, yeah. there, will, there, will there be a little, you know, dancing, uh, dancing and music laid out and all that? Interesting, you know, strategic decisions for the welcoming sure. of Mr. Sure. Trump when he comes yeah. to view his he investment here. in the process of rebranding, I think, his group um, of... Because certainly um, in the US and the East Coast, um, you know, the Trump country clubs and resorts have um, have suffered quite a lot over the last 12 months because of people not mm. necessarily wanting to be seen or associated with the brand. So I think that process is underway where Trump is Trump Tower will no longer be Trump Tower. So and that probably is appropriate now that he's going to be yeah, president yeah. in any case. Blazing it on the White House, perhaps. The sea wall by the golf club, I'm sure, is back on the agenda as well. Right. Uh, listen, what about the 50,000 undoc- undocumented Irish? Um, I mean, there's 11 million undocumented in total, I think, in America. But for the undocumented Irish, it's pretty serious, isn't it? Because he's talked about rounding up all the undocumented yeah. and... Uh, you- I suppose this Send them is, back home. This is where you, you again, you begin to hope that the the rhetoric, um, which was very vicious and um, and very regressive um, over the last number of months, will will start to be rolled back on. And you know he is a master at that. Um, so I would not be surprised. Um, I mean, he has talked about rounding up um, eleven million undocumented uh, workers in the US. Um, I don't, but firstly, it's just not practical. It's not feasible. Absolutely. It's not going to happen. Presumably, um, the economy of New York and yeah. other cities will collapse. Yeah, but 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 finding a solution for the existing undocumented, I think, will be very difficult mm. now. And um, certainly, you know, again, the Irish government um, will will need to try to work with friends um, on Capitol Hill to to try to make it happen. And of course, the vice president has a very long and very proud association with Ireland and has spent summer holidays here and so on. So that's I I, I assume. That that is a relationship that the government will look to cultivate um, and play on in the months ahead. I mean, the first thing we have to do is establish are, are we invited to to the White House on uh, March 17th. Yeah, what do you well, think, It would be very important symbolically. I know we laugh, but but it actually, it would be quite unprecedented if that invitation is not extended. I think we have yeah, to say. Yeah, you'd hardly think it's worth Donald Trump's time, not, you know, not, to, not to take the 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, but I suppose the question is: Is it just largely a ceremonial uh, mm-hmm. shake kind of the of hand, or George W. Bush, wasn't it? Yeah, or is it kind of the real kind of engagement you might have got with uh, some of the more Irish-friendly administrations? Yeah. And I suppose we might have hoped for with uh, if Hillary Clinton had mm-hmm. got in. And looking back now, Cliff, on the eight years of Barack Obama, or near eight years at this stage, um, has he been good for Ireland? Good for Europe? Uh, gosh, I suppose. Uh, you know what his uh, presidency will be remembered for in economic terms is the uh, dealing with the extraordinary crisis, financial crisis that hit. And certainly, I think uh, you know there were huge flaws in the U.S. financial system showing up, um, showing up when the crisis hit. You know, not, 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 I suppose not attributable to Obama himself, but his administration did take a very aggressive, together with the Federal Reserve Board, did take a very aggressive approach in kind of dealing with the crisis and pumping money into the U.S. economy, uh, and really pushing the boat out in an aggressive way, which the Europeans were slow to do. So I think they did lead the way. Uh, they did lead the way in doing that, uh, and and in pushing that whole agenda forward. Um, and you know, as Rowan has said, the U.S. economy has performed reasonably well. You know, the bounce back in growth has been perhaps less than they would have hoped. Mm. 
uh, jobs have been a bit slower to come on stream, but you know, unemployment rate's very low there now. That's near full employment, isn't it? It is, yeah. And uh, you know, the US economy it, by international comparison has done quite well over the over the last uh, four or five years. I suppose he hasn't been a particularly reforming president. You know, we we spoke about the corporation tax issue and that was something that he had said he would target as well, but he just didn't seem to have the interest in trying to um in trying to strike a deal with the Congress, or maybe he felt it, you know, it just couldn't politically be done, but it was left on the shelf. Yeah, Lucinda, do we tend to overplay the Irish thing uh, in terms of American politics? I mean, was it did it feature particularly high on the Obama agenda? Do you think the Irish interest, or mm. um, no? I mean, I, I I don't think he was unfriendly, or the administration was unfriendly towards Ireland. But you know, we we are small fry, you know. Mm. We sometimes like to see the, the, the map of the world sort of you know, revolve around Ireland. And unfortunately, when you're a small country with a small population, that's not the case. Um, that's why we have to be clever um, and we have to use all of our leverage uh, as best we possibly can. Um, I, I think Obama didn't have a particular interest in Ireland, maybe in the way the Clintons did, um, but but certainly was not unfriendly. Um, and you know made made the trip and so on which is of course always important um but i think you know i i i think that obama perhaps um downgraded the relationship with europe the transatlantic relationship um and i think that was kind of unfortunate um you know there were a number of things i think putin's invasion of of ukraine which is essentially a european country um really met very little interest in in washington which i think was was wrong um, I think that his pivot, you know, his famous foreign policy pivot to to um, to Asia away from Europe was a mistake. I think the most fundamental and important relationship in, on the globe is is the transatlantic one. Um, he did prioritise the tran- transatlantic trade relationship, but made very little progress on it. Um, but he did try to provide leadership on that, which I I think was was important and was was a good thing. Um, but you know the the. You know the mess in in North Africa, in the Middle East, um, Syria, the refugee crisis. A lot of that can be traced back to a kind of a disinterest in the Obama administration, um, amongst other things. Mm. I mean, it's very complex, but uh, um, you know, I think I think um, he he re- he re- retrenched too much in foreign policy terms, and I think you know, did not prioritise the transatlantic relationship, and I think that's bad for Europe and bad for Ireland. Yeah. Okay, Ronan, um, you must have been thinking about your predictions for 2017, you must have been working on them, I'm, I'm sure. Um, now that Trump is in power, how's that going to change your thinking for next year for your clients? Well, I suppose it, it doesn't have an, any immediate um, effect, not not um, like Brexit, where we saw the, the immediate fall in sterling um, have an immediate impact on, on Irish exporters and on sectors that are dependent on the UK economy. With, with the dollar unchanged, and I think we... we we can optimistically um, project that the dollar won't fall as much uh, as sterling has. Um, it, there's a balance between flows um, into the dollar from, from a safe haven perspective and then also on the other side concerns that um, potential fiscal expansion might create inflationary pressures in the US economy. So there's a balance there um, that you know, may transpire to keep the dollar relatively stable or at least more stable than we've seen in the, in the UK with, with the fall in the value of sterling. So it, it might have less of an immediate impact on the Irish economy and the Irish growth numbers um, as Brexit will have. 
Yeah. Uh, Cliff Taylor, final word to you. Um, as we look towards next year, what impact might this have, if any, on the budget arithmetic uh, in Ireland, particularly looking towards, let's say, budget 2018? Yeah, I think it puts probably another uncertainty, uh, another question mark against uh, against the government's financial position. It's hard to see it being a positive for growth. And, you know, it's easy to see how it could, could have some negative impact on, on Irish economic growth next mm. year. So you take the Brexit effect, you take some uncertainty coming from Trump, you take the fact the economy is slowing anyway. And, you Does know, it make it easier for the government to bat away some of well, these public sector pay interesting demands. point interesting point and maybe it does in the sense that you know it'll be it'll be obvious that the money isn't there but i think those demands have taken on such a steam now that mm. you'd need a real slowdown in the economy for that to be the case and what you might more likely see is something you know a gradual slowing in the rate of growth and the government getting caught in a bit of a squeeze if if growth kind of stays over three percent um i think three percent is the figure to watch it kind of might the whole Are thing okay? might be manageable if it Heads into two and a half percent, it starts to get tricky. You know, people don't feel much of a benefit from that. The government tax revenues get a bit soft. Everything gets a little more difficult. So I think three percent is maybe the level to watch. Okay. Lucinda, I'll give you the final, final word. <laughs> um, these public sector uh, pay demands, are, are you concerned um, what it might do for, for Ireland over, over the next sort of 12 to 18 months that it might just destabilise the economy at a crucial time? Um Undoubtedly. I mean, I think the genie is out of the bottle now, frankly. And um, I think, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I've written a lot about this in recent weeks. I mean, I'm very concerned that we, you know, typically, as we tend to do in this country, we, we forget the lessons that we learned very, very quickly and we, we tend to make them all over again. Um, I think that's the case here. I also think that from the point of view of, of the, of the, I know you asked me about this earlier, the lifetime of the government. I mean, um, I think the Lansdowne Road Agreement is really fundamental to the um, arrangement that exists between um, the two largest parties, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. And I think if the Lansdowne Road Agreement is consigned to history, I think that so will this government be, essentially. Right. Okay. They're kind of largely along that road already, aren't they? Okay. I think I think I think I think I think it's very hard to see how Fianna Fáil will maintain support uh, for for um, the current government um, if the Lansdowne Road Agreement is torn up. Maybe not immediately, but but I think it will be a matter of months. Okay, that's it for this week from the Irish Times Business Podcast. My thanks to Ronan Dunphy, Lucinda Creighton and Cliff Taylor and to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton for keeping us all entertained over the past number of months. John Casey produced the show with JJ Vernon as the sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. You can also follow the Irish Times Business Feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.